the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. In addition to taking care of one another inside the church, what if we developed a lifestyle taking care of the most needy outside the walls of the church? How would that change the community and our city? Bob Moffat, president and founder of Harvest Foundation in Phoenix, along with Pastor Julian Gibb, talk with pastors and leaders about how sacrificial love by those in the church to those in need outside the church has helped people see and embrace Jesus Christ. It's that demonstration of Jesus' greatest commandment that we'll hear more about today on The Kingdom and Its Stories. For those of you who are listening and and or watching, welcome to The Kingdom and Its Stories. And today we have the privilege of of having with us, James, do you say Hoffer or Hoofer? We there say we Hofer. Hofer. Okay, great. All right. James, welcome. I'm so thankful that you have joined us. Now, we we talked on the phone yesterday, but today is the first time I'm seeing you, and I recognize a fellow traveler in the kingdom. Thank you, Bob. In in a number of ways from what we um, uh, talked about yesterday, but when I see what you look like, <laughs> we are obviously of the same uh, same generation, a few years apart. Uh, yeah, we both have hard knocks for, yeah, for Jesus. Yeah, we both have white hair, and uh, you have a beard, I don't. Um, but I tell you, um, it's wonderful, James, to meet someone who doesn't know the word retire. Thank you, Bob. And um, in the kingdom, I really feel that there isn't a term retirement. There isn't a concept. There is a concept of changing phases in our lives, but not the concept of retirement. We're always, as long as we're here, to be servants of our Lord Jesus Christ. And James, you have really exemplified that. Now, if if I asked you to give us an elevator speech, somebody just kind of met you in the elevator and said, well, David, uh, James, who are you? What would well, you say if, if you had an 18 floor ride? <laughs> <laughs> I uh, I'm a third generation immigrant from my father's side. He came with uh, his uh, mother, with his wife from Germany to start congregations in the Midwest. He was one of the original sodbusters, starting congregations, living in a sod house. Wow. I'm the third generation pastor. My father founded five congregations, <clears throat> took us to Tucson, Arizona in 1949. And um, <clears throat> somewhere along the line, uh, the Lord laid it on my heart, too, to follow in that uh, footsteps, which I did not want to do for many reasons. I saw it was very hard. And... Uh, not the kind of lifestyle that I envision myself, but the Holy Spirit, very patient with me. We might have time to talk about that, but 
I myself became a pastor and a church planter, and mm-hmm. and uh, <clears throat> now I'm retired. I've got f- two daughters, four wonderful grandchildren who all live close to me. Three of them play basketball. The other one is a ballet a ballerina, and so I'm uh, I'm in a very good point in my life and very thankful. Amen. Yeah. Yeah, one of the things that, that I've discovered, and I'm sure you have too as well, is that in the beginning of our lives, our ministry lives, we think the most important thing that God has given us is our ministry. And in the older part of my life, I'm recognizing that my main ministry is my family. Amen, Bob. Is my is my wife, my lovely wife, and my kids, and my, and now especially my grandkids, and um, I love. Uh, I don't have any granddaughters, just grandsons, and I just love spending time with these five boys and and mentoring them and and trying to be an example of them and help them um, in their journey in the kingdom of God. Well, I often say the best person, of course, to know is Jesus, but the second best are the family of God, starting with our own family. Amen. And uh, I work hard at maintaining meaningful relationships. I remember at one church, pastor, someone told me, now when you, when you, you don't want to get too close to people, and when you leave, you need to cut them off. <laughs> I've never followed that advice. Yeah, good for you. All right. Well, uh, I'm assuming you don't have a title anymore, uh, you know, like senior pastor or this or that, but I know you're engaged in a number of ministries. Uh, click those off for us quickly. Well, I am a chair of Hope for Horn of Africa. We, uh, I'd like to talk a little bit about that in a moment. All right. We help uh, uh, right now at-risk children more than we ever dreamed we would in in the Civil War area of Ethiopia. Okay. I'm I'm um, the treasurer of, of of Pinnacle House Ministry with uh, Edith and and Godwin who are from Nigeria and uh, they have it in their heart to go back and care medically and share the gospel in that part of the world which is greatly needed and plus he has a heart for the whole world so he reaches out in many many other ministries. Um, <clears throat> I have a friend by the name of Doru Nyau, who is a Romanian Jew. God put me in touch with him, and I'm the vice president of Emmanuel Ministries. He goes so all over the world. So you do have several titles. Yes. He goes all over the world. He, you, you will have to have a conversation with him. I'm going to try to set that up with David. Okay. I'm also a, a longtime non-voting board member of the Evangelical Sisters of Mary, which are based in Darmstadt, Germany, but have the one U.S. location, Canaan in the Desert, right here in Phoenix. That's right. the greatest treasure, of my, one of the great treasures of my life. Uh, so, And there's several other uh, ministries that I participate in. And, of course, I'm a part of a local church, Epiphany Lutheran Church in Chandler. Okay, all right. Well, okay, so I hear Africa, I hear Phoenix, uh, I hear involvement in a local church in where East East Phoenix. Yes, yes, and uh, Crucio yeah. Ministries and the Lutheran tradition All connect right. with lots of uh, <clears throat> wonderful disciples doing that. But how ministry, you, go ahead, Bob. How, how do you balance your time? You know, between these. <clears throat> uh, <clears throat> 
Well, that's the wonderful part of being retired. I don't have a local congregation which has the enormous responsibility of caring for every person, every family, uh, and uh, looking ahead. And so, and in each of these ministries, I'm part of a team, and I, I believe in uh, equipping and using and having a team and being a partner. Nobody right. has to do it all together. Jesus is our coach, and uh, he doesn't overwork us. I can remember early as a rookie pastor, I thought, I, I actually complained to God, uh, Bob. I said, Jesus, uh, uh, you've given me too much to do. You give, I was uh, ridiculous, but I said, you've, uh, you give most people 24 hours a day, seven days a week, but you need to give me more because I'm exhausted. I don't think I have time to sleep. And the the Lord broke into me and said, who gave you all those jobs? I didn't give you half of those jobs. You <laughs> took them on yourself. I've given you enough time to relax, have fun, and even waste time. And uh, God How doesn't overwork his servants. Right. Well, you wanted to tell us about the work in northern Ethiopia, uh, where the Civil War well, is. And... That's a really interesting one. Uh, as I say, I grew up in, in a church family. My father, when I was eight years old, had quality time with me when I was 10 years old. And he said, do you want to be a, a missionary to Ethiopia? And I would have said yes if he had asked me to join the army or go to the North Pole. I just loved him so much. I said, yes. He never brought it up again, but for a good deal of my growing up years, that was very formative because, as I said, I wrestled with God's call. Some of you, too, are wrestling with God's call. He's asking you to do things, and you think, I don't know if I would be happy doing that. But, of course, God knows what makes us happy. He gave us right. our hearts. And uh, eventually I gave in, and uh, I... At one point, I thought going going to Africa. That I want to be with girls and cars and have fun times. <laughs> but uh, but of course, now that I've been there, that's the top of my life to have those experiences and to mm. meet such courageous brothers and sisters. I want to tell you about our our work in uh, for Hope for Horn of Africa. Okay, it was started uh, by a couple who ended up with a windfall of money, and you would think they'd pay off their mortgage. But instead, they said, this will give us a chance to go back to our homeland and minister to children and widows. When they were there, they met Khadijah. I want to tell you about Khadijah because it reflects what we're doing right now. When she was 11 years old, she went to school, and she loved her teacher. Some now, Khadija is an Ethiopian. Yes, yes. She was born in a Muslim home, knew nothing about Christ, and uh, she knew nothing about her teacher except that there was something in that Christian woman that made Khadija focus on her. And that's what happens, I think, when we live in the Spirit and we say, Jesus, I want to be on your team um, whatever I'm doing in life, I might be a bricklayer, I might be a teacher, I might be a pastor, but um, <clears throat> use me. And um, and Khadijah couldn't keep her eyes off that teacher. She said the teacher threw pieces of chalk at me because <laughs> she was saying, stop looking at me, listen to what I'm saying, look at the board, right. problems. 
she worked so hard to be with that teacher. She made the teacher's friend in her class her best friend. Finally, that teacher told her that she was the what she was realizing was was that she was a Christian, and uh, she introduced the Bible. She Khadija begged her for a Bible, and finally she gave her one, and said, "But first, I need to introduce it to you." And so she read the Gospel of John got to the 14th verse of the Gospel of John where we know the Word became flesh and dwelt among us and we have seen his glory. Glory is the only Son of the Father, full of grace and truth. And Khadijah's mind just blew open because she was so... And how, how old was she about the, at she this She was time? 11, 11 years old. And uh, she went home just so excited she laid down that night to sleep, wondering, who is this God? Who is this one who has become flesh? Who is this one that has made my teacher so attractive? And when she fell asleep, she fell into a trance and started shaking. She says, I shook, shook so much the bed shook. Her whole family saw, heard the bed and came into her room at night, and they couldn't stop the shaking. It went on for uh, several minutes, and then she stopped, and it looked like she was dead. In fact, hours later, they called the witch doctor. They're Muslims, but they had chants and all kinds of things to prepare for the burial of their beloved daughter. Wow. And wow. then she woke up. <clears throat> she says that uh, while she was in that bed, she had uh, a heavenly vision. She saw things. Now, that stayed with that little 11-year-old who's very significant in our life in Ethiopia. And <clears throat> later, she uh, was forced by her family to marry a Muslim man, uh, but she wouldn't give up Jesus. She wouldn't give up that mm -hmm. Bible. She bore him two beautiful boys, twin boys, that, that are marvelous young men now in their 20s, early 20s. Mm -hmm. And... <clears throat> But the husband, when they were one years old, he tossed her out of the house. This is not unusual in that part of the country. And so our infant organization, she was one of those. We had a program called City of God, which was not a place, but just a, 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 a opportunity for us to reach out and provide resources to a, to a single mom who was uh, at that point not really educated and not capable of providing for her children. <clears throat> but in that program and in that love, she just grew. She became um, educated through the churches that we work with there. She became master's degrees. She had wow. a desire to be a missionary to the, to the, to the uh, Muslim world. And uh, then the wars, that about in 2019, she has now become one of our key leaders. And um, we're challenged with taking on more and more uh, at-risk children. And um, we're, we're, the cost is going to be as extensive, and the number of children is more than we can handle. And I'm in Ethiopia with her and a group of us, and we're looking, and she comes out with, Second Chronicles 22, where she looks at how the mother-in-law of Joash, uh, or, or the, 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 the king's mother, who took over the kingdom and killed everyone 
and Joash was protected, and eventually he became a godly king. And she says, that's what we're doing. We're saving these children for uh, future ministry. They may not all be kings, she said, but they all have importance. (laughs) And uh, I, I just felt it was a prophetic word, and we agreed to do it. And in the coming year, when the war came out, more and more children said, uh, can, can you help us? And the, the church asked us to and help that, And, and uh, that's the civil war that's going on in Ethiopia now. Yes. Right? Yes. Okay. Uh, let me take this uh, as a time to do a station break. Of course. James, and, uh, and let our listeners and viewers know that the kingdom and its stories is a process where we interview servants of our king, not to lift them up, but through their testimonies to inspire those of you who are listening and watching to um, use this as an opportunity to ask the Lord, Father, how can I be a better example of Jesus Christ in the life of other people? How can I be Jesus' hands and feet? in a more effective way. And so we're uh, interviewing James Hoffer at the moment. And um, and James uh, is one of these brothers who doesn't know what the word retirement means and is involved in a number of ministries. Uh, and I just learned in some official capacities. And he's telling us right now uh, about a story of Kadisha an Ethiopian 11-year-old girl who found Jesus and now is a leader in their ministry of rescuing children in the the, uh, Civil War area of northern Ethiopia. So, James, go ahead. Well, I'm just saying, sharing that mostly because I I think back to the teacher whom I never met. She didn't know she was going to her classroom that day to affect hundreds of children through just letting, and I'm sure she prayed every day, Jesus, just use me. Hmm. You know, a few, a few uh, last year, I was on my way to church, and I saw this young couple off to the side of the road. Uh, they they were a young couple, and his wife was obviously very pregnant. They were standing in the cold, and uh, but what, and, and of course, there's many people asking for money, and I one of my uh, positions has been to work with uh, a homeless ministry in Phoenix, and I don't, uh, you know, you don't give money to homeless people on the street. They'll just use right. it f- to buy drugs. But this gentleman was holding a sign that said, uh, "I need fifty-seven dollars," <laughs> and I very thought, specific. What? Yes, and it got me thinking. I took a left. I went to church, but somehow the Holy Spirit said, "Did you notice?" He was asking for $57, and I wondered, are you asking me to, to participate in helping? <clears throat> when I got to church, uh, a couple by the name of Mike and Carol Kuhn said, Pastor James, you're always finding people that need help, and they gave me a, a, a bunch of $20 bills. Says, <laughs> are they? Is, Jesus, are you asking me to go back to that gentleman? So... <clears throat> Wasn't even sure they'd still be there. I went back on the same corner, and there they are. But this time, the gentleman has, I need $31. Wow, wow. Okay, so he was honest. Yes. He he received something, and 
and so he needed 31 to to fix the total of what he needed. It okay, turned out and- they they had a job, but they needed money for a hotel bill for one night. They didn't get they they would be paid later that week. He was working industriously. So I I parked the car and I went across this uh, and I came across the street and I said, Jesus wants you to know that he really cares about you. And it's made really clear to me that I should give you all the money you need. In fact, here's an extra twenty dollars so that you can (laughs) take your wife to breakfast and then go back and, and, and rest. And uh, I, I, I testified, but I wasn't going to demand that they perform a religious conversion for me for the right. sake of the money. Just wanted to let them know Jesus loved them because it was Amen. obvious to me he did. So I go back to my car, but they run over to me and they say, we can't believe this. And the husband says, I've been angry all morning because I knew that uh, it was humiliating to ask for this money. And just before you came, I said, Jesus, if you're real, you could just have somebody come up right now. <laughs> give us all that money. We don't have to wait all day. Wow. wow. So he was very interested in Jesus and the Bible, and we had quite a conversation. Praise <clears throat> the Lord. It's a, Yeah. Who wants to retire from that, Bob? <laughs> not you. Not me. <laughs> yeah. Well, wow. Okay, back back to Khadijah in Ethiopia. So, what what are you doing for? The, how many kids are you working with? And what over do you do over a hundred and fifty. And okay, uh, and I've been told recently that there's hundreds more. There's hundreds of thousands of children that have lost their parents. As you know, uh, Tigray is the the civil war in Ethiopia is the worst catastrophe of the 21st century. <clears throat> While several hundred Several thousand civilians in Ukraine have died. 600,000 civilians have died in that part of the world. 600,000. And a lot of them have had unspeakable things that we can't talk about, none to them, and left little children. Their their parents might actually still be alive. Last uh, year, uh, our team went to Sudan, and again, just this past October, where there are many United Nations refugee camps for these survivors who yes, were able to cross yes. the border before the borders were closed. <clears throat> and uh, some, you know, so there might be parents that that are scattered around they Ethiopia have no way the world. Of connecting them. Can't find yeah. their, yeah, yes, yes, it's right. very sad. So that's why we say they're at-risk children. We don't know if they're orphans. They don't know. They just know they're hungry. They're cold. And they most of all need to be loved. And it's such a comfort for me to know Khadijah's not the only one. I mentioned her, but quality people like that who love Jesus enough to give up everything to follow Amen. him are taking care of their children and and uh, communicating them about the truth of the Heavenly Father. Amen. Amen. Wow. And so... If there's somebody listening that wants to participate in that, how would they get in contact with you? Uh, if you go to the website, hopeforhornofafrica.org, they, you, you'd be so welcome. And uh, <clears throat> there's information there, telephone and email and other ways to help. 
All right. Well, James, it's clear that you're an example of a guy that the Holy Spirit is using, not only locally. I loved how you listened to the Spirit of God in the church service, and the Lord said, go back. <laughs> go back to these people. Yes, I do want you to, to help them. And um, and at the same time, um, working internationally in a number of places. So the Lord can use old geezers like us. Absolutely. As long as we, as long as we put ourselves in his hand. So, Kate, you've got 30 seconds, James, to tell the people who are listening and watching to challenge them to be Jesus' hands and feet. How would you do that? When... Jesus is my coach. He's he's our coach, and uh, he wants us to be part of his team. You know, I don't really have to be brilliant or even be able to do all things for all people. Jesus knows my skills, my skill level, where I am, and he just assigns me if I'm open to him. If I have a healthy, that's why I want to avoid uh, the temptations of the world. That's why I want to make sure that I'm, my heart is filled with his spirit on a daily basis <clears throat> because then he can use me. He can place me into his team where he wants me to be. He's a good leader and he knows how to win. Amen. We may not know how to win, but he does. Amen. Even if we don't see the the, the victory. He keeps he score. We don't. Yes, exactly. God bless you. Thank you, Thank Bob. Thank you so much for being with us It's a today. privilege to be here, and, and God bless you and Harvest Foundation. Thank you. Bye-bye. Jesus defines discipleship as come and follow me. Next Monday at 5.30 p.m. on Faith Talk 1360, we'll hear another testimonial from a leader demonstrating how they and the people of the church are sacrificially loving the needy and beginning to see real change in their communities. If you have a personal example of how you are being the hands and feet of Jesus with your neighbors, we'd love to hear from you. Enter your story at harvestfoundation.org. That's harvestfoundation.org on the Contact Us tab. You can also subscribe to the podcast on The Kingdom and Its Stories on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for donald trump to hire i find out the worst enemy that i'm going to face in my life is right here in america they took my assessment and they wanted me to change it i was like i'm not changing it they had to get rid of flynn with in-depth interviews archival footage and never before seen personal record to the man behind the headlines i just felt like i was drowning flynn deliver the truth whatever the cost available now watch it today go to salemnow.com salemnow.com